Podcast One presents Let Lisa Help. Former insult comic Lisa Lampanelli is now a full-fledged life coach, and she wants to help you whether you like it or not. Join the former queen of mean as she continues her journey as the queen of meaning. She'll share her life experiences, the tools she's learned along the way, and a healthy dose of humor. So if you have a problem, let Lisa help. And now, here's your host, Lisa Lampanelli. Hey, everybody. It's Lisa Lampanelli, the queen of mean, now the queen of meaning today on Let Lisa Help, the podcast you never knew you liked and probably still don't. I have my client, Mikey. He is my 21-year-old youngest client who actually works on himself. That's right, people. A 21-year-old with some self-awareness. Listen to my interview with Mikey coming up now. You're listening to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. everybody. It's your favorite gal. No, not me, Mikey, my guest. Just kidding. Hi, it's Lisa Lampanelli. And I am here at my podcast, Let Lisa Help, with some realness because I have a client named Mikey. Now, Mikey, do you use your last name or not? My real last name? No. Okay. You can call me Mikey Majesty. Okay, I'll call him that, but I don't want to. I will, though, however, just call him Mikey. And Mikey had called in as one of my real clients, which he is, to one of my podcasts months ago. And I thought it would be cool because he was so open and cool about it and only used the C word multiple times that I thought it would be good to really show people what a coaching session's like because you're really open. Now, Mikey, how old are you? I'm 21. Okay. Why do you think... You're more open than most people I meet at your age. Were you brought up in an environment where people were just kind of like, hi, I have feelings? Or what yeah. do you think that's a result of? Yeah, I mean, my mom always told me, like, don't don't hold your feelings and don't bottle things up. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people my age see it as a weakness to do that. Mm. So, so you just kind of let it out. Yeah. Do you find that, you know, obviously you're sitting here, you're very tattooed. <laughs> you have some nice, beautiful, I have to say, a lovely shade of lipstick, which I want. What lipstick is that? This is MAC in the shade. <gasps> I should have known. I don't know what it's called. I think it's called plaid or something like Let that. Let me tell but you I'll show you it after. I freaking love it. No, because MAC is really good and it's affordable. And I love your pink hair. I like to think it was inspired by me, even though I know it wasn't. Um, I actually wanted to change it but I kept it just for you for this day. (gasps) See that? I inspire people. No, we do. I know you're arguing with me, viewers at home or listeners, whatever the F you are, but I change people's lives. But so you do not look like the typical guy walking around the streets. You have beautiful eye makeup. I must say I'm a little jealous for your makeup application abilities. Now, we've been working a lot on you being your real authentic self. Now, I think that has nothing to do with looks. I think we all use dress or I wear wigs or dresses or whatever as expressing myself. Yeah. But some people judge on looks. How do you feel your outsides and how you present now reflect your insides to an authentic extent? I think from the outside, I might look a little scary to people who might not think that this is normal, Mm -hmm. but it does not match who I am on the inside. I don't think like I'm not a scary guy who's like going to kill you because I have skulls on my arms. Right. Although we have talked in coaching sessions that you some of your tattoos and things to that nature 
were done as a reaction versus an action. Yeah. So can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah. So like a lot of my tattoos, probably 90 percent of them, I never intended on getting them the day I woke up when I got them. Right. So it's like most of them were done on impulse or like I was mad about something. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to go get a tattoo. Right. And I wouldn't say that I regret them, but I do look at some of them and I'm like, I probably could have waited to get that. Right. So what do you think drove you to those things like for, let's see which there is there one that stands out in particular that you say oh yeah i know, remember what happened and why i got that not specific incidences but i think like my hands my this was my first hand tattoo okay now describe that for our viewers okay i don't so, even know what that is this is <laughs> i mean honestly i'm scared of it i'm not scared of you because you are in all in pink which does not scare me but what is that okay so this is a, is it a horseshoe, horseshoe? Okay. with a candle, and it's like for good luck. And then this is a broken mirror for bad luck. So you know like what's opposites. always? You know what's also for good luck? Like carrying a rabbit's foot. Wouldn't that have been less expensive and less painful? Probably, and not as permanent. Probably. Now, as an old-fashioned gal myself, who has no tattoos, now I, uh, I just so so had you. I mean, that's a cool idea, and you have a cool look. But that being said. When those two things occurred to you, if you'd have put the brakes on, what do you think would have resulted from you not having them? Like, would you feel better if you didn't have them at this point? No, but I know that it's going to be a challenge for the rest of my life because mm-hmm. people call these job stoppers, which is exactly what they are. I think yeah. in my in the back of my head, this sounds like really dumb, mm-hmm. but in the back of my head, I'm like, if I get the most visible parts of me tattooed, it will force me to not just like work a like stand for just a regular job for the rest of my life. Right. Right. So it's so kind of a dumb idea, but yeah, it's kind of dumb, but kind of, I get it though. Cause it's a way of going, okay, I'm going to challenge myself to not work at pizza hut the rest of my life. Exactly. Because, but isn't there another way to do that, which is to yeah. just do the job yeah. you want to do, but you, for some, whatever reason is you needed that at the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? For whatever reason, you said, look, I'm going to use this and I'm not going to regret it. So you wouldn't say to yourself now, hey, I'm going to get these taken off. No. If I had the opportunity to get them lasered, I don't think I would. Right. Just because, like, I already did it. So is it kind of also do you view it's kind of a reminder of, hey, I did this and, you know, I'm going to remember not to be satisfied in a job that doesn't serve me. Yeah, I feel like that message still is kind of there. I just recognize now that there are other ways to go about that. Right, but, right. But that's okay. Six of one, half dozen the other. You have a lot of wisdom around it and know why you did it for someone your age. That's what it always struck me as. When I started coaching you, it was about a year ago. You were only 20. And I was like, wow, this guy makes a lot of changes and connections in his head. And even if you couldn't make the connection because of youth or just inexperience, you kind of were like, oh, that makes sense. You never were like, no, that's not true. Yeah. So I like that people your age can kind of look to you and go, oh, here's someone my age who kind of looks like I do and can work on themselves, too. They don't just have to have a wall up. Yeah. Now, that being said, do you think sometimes your appearance is a wall? And it helps you keep sort of hidden from people by being too out there. Maybe, yeah, in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, not, I wouldn't say, I always had colorful hair, so, like, I love that. I don't know if it's exactly a wall or not, though, because 
I know the difference between when I'm dressed like this and when I'm dressed like a skink from Miami. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. I know exactly a, what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. So, like, I'm very aware of what I'm doing when I'm doing it, though. So it's so a choice. Maybe, yeah. I feel like it's, like, kind of a choice. Like, okay, today I want to be really extra and I want everyone in the world to know who I am. Right. Right. And then other days I'll be like, no, I don't really have to do that. Right. So so you, it's a choice, not a default. Yeah. Because I think a lot of the times we just do things out of default because I'll give you an example because we're similar in this way. I don't, not in this particular way, but I'll get to it. Okay. I don't date. And same. I think, oh, you don't either? So I think that the blue hair that I had and still have sort of adds to the cock blocking that I do for myself. In other words, I know I'm not ready yet. Yeah. I want to give a message to the men of America. Stay away from me. Because I'm not ready to date. Hey, guess what else says that? My mouth. So I'm allowed to say it, but I felt that was a little protectant. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Do you feel like your appearance protects you from the wrong things or holds you back from the right things? I do feel sometimes it does hold me back from the right things because people are so quick to judge off of that. Mm -hmm. And there's been many times where, like, it's not legal where... I live to say that you won't hire somebody because of their tattoos, mm-hmm. but it's like they can't couldn't make it any more obvious without saying it sometimes. Like there's a lot of things that I probably have not gotten just because of that. Right, right. And, you know, obviously the I always have the philosophy of, of his rejection. It's God's protection. Whatever you were supposed to get, you're going to get. And I think sometimes you have to add to the struggle a little and then learn along the way. Is there anything you've lost due to appearance or attitude or whatever that you're truly regretful of? Not that I can really think of off the top of my head. Like, I'm not sure if... I mean, when I've got when I first started getting the tattoos, I was like 18, mm-hmm. and every time I get them, mm-hmm. my mother would throw a fit, and right. she wouldn't talk to me for like days. So you got a good amount of silence because of it. So yeah, that's a positive right there yeah. because mom <laughs> finally shut up. <laughs> but did it? Just hurt? kidding. Love you, mean it. Yeah, love you, mom. But did you? Did it hurt when she didn't talk to you for days? Yeah, I was like, "Are you serious? Like, it's literally." a tattoo like it's not like i'm doing heroin right did she ever say what it was that bothered her about it i think she just didn't want people to treat me like Mm -hmm. crappy because of it right so you basically you could see that it wasn't for the wrong reason yeah you know it was actually her just being protective and a mama bear in a way yeah exactly right but in that moment i don't think i saw that i feel like i've I now see that. Like, I understand it now. And it's only like two or three years later. And I'm like, okay, I get it now. Yeah. And it's good to get that because some people never get it and some people don't get it till they're 50 or 40. So it's yeah. good to know, oh, she meant it from the right place. Yeah. She just couldn't really say it. Yeah, exactly. And now she has like five tattoos so she can she stop. She does? Talking. So you've infected your mother. I have. Oh, we're going to see her with pink hair and pink glitter. <laughs> I'm boots. working on the pink hair. She's like, no. Okay, that bitch needs to get in line. Yeah. Now, what I always liked about you is you'd go in with coaching with the hard issues because I'm not a soft coach, but I'm not super tough either. Like I kind of try to always you know, kind of meet you where you are, but also push a little. Yeah. So we've dealt with you on things like, what What have we worked on? We've worked on your know, heartbreak. We've worked on job stuff. We've worked on self-image. What else have we worked on? Because that's a lot for just uh, less than a year. Yeah. Like as of recently, we're working on like taking off the mask. 
Yeah, that explain what was explained, you know, in as much detail as you want to to the listeners what we're talking about. How did that even come up? Do you remember like that whole subject? Yeah, um, I'm not really sure. It's just always been something that like I've progressively been more aware of. And as, as of the last few weeks, I was like, I had like a whole epiphany. Is that how you say that? Yeah, it is. Okay, you can edit that out. No, it is. That's how you say it. <laughs> yep. I had like a whole epiphany moment where I was like, wait, I don't have to like be so extra and over the top for people to like for me to still like have an audience and like Mm -hmm. present myself in a way like I can encourage other people to do the same thing. Right. You know what I like about this is when you say have an audience, a lot of young people today have YouTube channels, Instagram pages, etc. And they want to quote unquote be a celebrity or be a star. And you fall into that category. Yeah. And you did not like, you had told me, what you had put across previously to this epiphany. What had you been putting across in your mind when you look back on that person? So I was on the show called Catfish. Right. And Which is on MTV, so quit bragging. No. So you were on, <laughs> was it, a, and it was a scenario in which you catfished somebody or they catfished you? I or? was the catfish, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, like, in the moment, I feel like I did have, like, that little moment of a high because you're watching thousands of people talk about you online and stuff. So you're like, mm-hmm. holy shit. Mm-hmm. But now a few months, well, basically a year later now, I look back at that and I'm like, I could be presenting myself in such a different way that will actually benefit people Mm. instead of putting out negative stuff. I mean, I've watched the video. So why don't you describe what happened? So on the show, someone pretends to be. Yeah. So you're somebody's like talking to someone online Mm -hmm. and they go to meet up with them. And like 98 percent of the time, it's not actually the person. It's somebody else pretending to be them. Okay. so. Basically, the whole concept of my episode was it was for revenge, which is a really nasty thing, mm-hmm. actually. Um, and I don't I, I think that's why we're working on this issue, because that's not you. No, that's so not you. No. And you the, have a real heart. Yeah. And it made me come across even though I was nice on the show and I, I feel like I was genuinely myself. That action is not me. And I don't want to present that to people and make them think that that's how you act, because it's not. So basically just the premise of the whole construct of the episode is something you kind of shoehorned yourself into that didn't really that wasn't really who you were, even though on the show you were not outrageous and crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't like over the top on the show or anything, but it's just the whole concept of me doing that for revenge is just not who I am as a person. So I don't want people to look at that and think that that's cool or think that that's who I am as a person. Right. Right. Not that, and I don't really care, like, if every, like, not everyone's going to love you, but I don't want people to think that's who I am, though. That's what my concern was, too, because when I watched it, I was like, that's not the same guy, although there was that glimmer of heart for sure. Like, yeah. that's what's great about watching that. When you watch it really close, there's something where you go, oh, that guy's a nice guy. This wouldn't happen to him. But people, you know, lots of people out there don't know that. So... It got how many hits so far? It got like millions of hits, right? Yeah. So they did it in um, something called MTV Ranks where they do countdowns of like the best of whatever. Mm-hmm. That now I think has five million views. Oh, my God. Okay. So you don't want to be the guy now who's like, uh-oh, 
I'm now known as revenge guy. I'm now known as guy who does things for the wrong reason. Yeah, and I feel like in a way, like for somebody who wants to be involved in the entertainment like business, I feel like that makes me just come across really bad forever because I feel like people are going to go, oh, we don't want some guy that was on Catfish. Next. Right. And, and the fact is there is more to you than that guy. And that part of you is sort of a minor part in how you live your life day to day because you're not – I think I said to you on the first call because we joke around a lot in the beginning where I'm just like, hey, you're like, hey. <laughs> and I said to you something like when you were – I made you do a practice on judgment. I said, write down every time you judge others and judge yourself. And you freaking always do your homework. I still have the list in my phone. Oh, good. And that list was so long and it made me shocked. Like I was like, you don't realize how judgy you can be until you're literally keeping track of it. Yeah. And it's it's almost like when you're keeping a food journal. Yeah. Like, you know, know, how much do you eat shocks you by when you actually look at it. Yeah. So it kind of put in your face that did it really make it dawn in you? judgment is just not becoming yeah exactly like even if it was like small things like i'm like oh look at that sweatshirt like that's a judgment <laughs> right and my friends were laughing at me because i w- I would sit there like in the middle of talking to them and i'd like see somebody or something i'd be like hold on yeah yeah type 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 <laughs> which is great because it's a practice it's a practice of going how is this serving me when you think about it how had judging people served you it didn't. It doesn't serve anybody, really. Mm-hmm. Just me. I think judging is when you're trying to distract yourself from like how you feel about yourself, kind right. of. Right. So if you're saying, look at that sweater, what you're really saying is, I'm ugly inside, or I just need to distract myself from my flaws. Yeah. Or like your problems or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's I, just easier to do that sometimes. Like, sure. It's easier to just like be like, oh, look at this girl. Right. Right. And that's why it's easy to easier to help other people than help ourselves. Yeah. Because it's easier to work on their stuff than ours. Yet you pursued life coaching. You pursued getting help for me. And I thought that was really cool for someone your age, because I just think that's a lot of awareness. What first drove you to reach out? I think around that time, I was kind of like in a lower spot in my life. So I was like, maybe I should reach out to somebody or something. I've seen therapists in the past, but it's like, you just have to like have a right connection with somebody. Sometimes it's not that the therapist is bad. It's just you don't have the connection with them. Right. And life coaching is different from therapy, by the way. Um, Although I'm really good. But she's like basically a therapist. So (laughs) So just so you know, you can easily lose. But yeah, yeah, that's right. I remember because I remember you saying like, I'm kind of desperate because I want to get out of my town. I want to move to, you know. Yeah. And I was like fed up. I'm like, I feel like I'm so stuck right now. Mm -hmm. And it's because I didn't actually put down the paperwork and like actually see for myself that things are possible it's not the end of the world Mm -hmm. but i think what attracted me to you was that as somebody who was known for being controversial Mm -hmm. and like other people who don't know you would think that you're like a negative person even though you're not just Mm -hmm. based off of like what you've said in the past and your like acts and stuff right i felt like i could relate to that yeah. Because I'm like, yeah. people are so quick to judge you, but they don't see that you're like a real person and right. you're like, you're really nice. Right. Well, that's the thing that we did have that in or do have that in common is that people are going to, hey, there are some people who will be like, I'll always hate Lisa because she roasted people. They'll be like, I always hate Mikey because he was a douche on Catfish. And we're like, that's OK. And the thing is not to be mad at them because I totally get that. Like, why wouldn't they? Yeah. But the plan is to move forward and go, OK. What can I put out that I'm proud of myself? Yeah, exactly. Because after the show, I did 
a few YouTube videos where I was still acting like a douche. Yeah. And yeah. I look back at them and I even told you the other day I was listening to something that I recorded last year and I was cringing the whole time. Oh, I'm like, yeah. why was I being so rough and like bitchy for no reason? Why do you think it is? If you really think about it, what was going on? Was your just your level of unhappiness was so great you had to just do that? It might have been a mixture of that and I'm I think what was going through my head is, like, if I just say, like, the most bitchy things right now, it will shock everybody, and then that will get the attention that I'm looking for. So it's n- some attention, despite how you get it, is better than no attention. Yeah. So now that we work together, and you've actually done all the work, I haven't done anything, what would you rather? And you can say the truth. I don't care. You could just really say the truth. million hits on YouTube for a bitchy, revengeful video, or 10,000 hits on YouTube for, hey, wow, you know, sweet and funny, and it's going to take 10 additional years to build a following or build you onto a TV show or a reality show, which would you take? To be completely honest with you, like, the thought of, like, the instant million views or whatever is appealing, but now that I've experienced that, I realize, like, it's not really that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. Like, you go through, like, you think you want that your whole life, and then you experience, like, a taste of it, and you're like, wait, it wasn't really that dramatic. Like, it's not impossible to experience that, so it's like, once you feel it, you're like, okay, whatever. So So I think I really fulfill you. No, it didn't. I was, I definitely was on the high, though, for a minute, Mm -hmm. and I've watched people walk into situations like that and they don't come down from that high Mm -hmm. and it will ruin them. Mm. So I think I took a look around of my own surroundings and I'm like, that's not that's the opposite of what I want to be right now. So I would rather have my small, small audience of people who know me as a person that I can be my genuine self to. Right. And if you were to describe really your genuine qualities inside like what you really are about, because we know you're not about the revenge and all that extra bullshit. What's really in there? Well, first of all, I'm funny AF. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that what I want people to know is like that you can literally change your whole life around just with your mindset. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's so cool. And like, I feel like I want to share that with people because a lot of people don't realize that until one person can show them that. Right. Right. What what have you changed your mind around? Obviously judgment. Do you find yourself judging people a lot less? Yeah. I mean, I think everybody judges to yeah. some extent, but I will catch myself a lot more now. Mm. Like whether even if it's just in my head, like I don't have to be saying it out loud. I could be like, calm down. Like that's unnecessary to even think that. So you notice it and you self-correct. Yeah. I'm more aware of it now for sure. Yeah. And I'll just be like, why Why are you thinking that? Like, that's so rude. <laughs> yeah, and it's almost worth answering the question of like, yeah, why is that happening right now? Yeah. Because when we feel crappy about ourselves, well, let's yeah. pick up And it's usually guy. when I'm in like a bad mood where I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, look at this. Like, I know. Look at this dyke. Like, yeah, it's insane. And it's like really doesn't make much sense at all. And then we go, well, now we have two problems. I'm a bitch. Yeah. And because I think that's actually what I said to you on our first call. I remember saying to you, and this is how I knew you were going to be fine, I said just one thing. I said, do the judgment exercise. We write everything down, figure out why, because the world does not need another bitchy queen. Yeah. And that actually stuck with me. Oh, I know. You're not a drag queen. You can't make a living at it. 
you're you and you want to be a human in this world. Yeah. And you're going to get out of whatever living situation you don't like or job situation by just being a good person and having a nice personality. Yeah. That goes a lot farther. Yeah. So, I mean, if your goal was to be an insult comic or a drag queen, great, but it's not. No. You know, do you find that your goals are getting a little more focused on what you want to do? Yeah. Um, What do you think? I do have moments where, like, I'll slip up and I'll go right to nothing's changing and stuff like that. And then that's when I'll – another tool that you taught me is, like, to – take those statements and turn them into stories Mm. so i find myself a lot now catching myself and going oh that's my i'll never get out of here story Mm. so yeah so that's one uh tool we use which is you know notice the thought and then kind of try to put in front of it the words as i'm having that thought that and kind of shows that that's just you're making that up like yeah The I never will get out of here is not absolutely true. No, that's like ridiculous. And the only thing way you won't get out of there is to keep thinking that. Yeah. You know, and let myself. Yeah. Just do nothing. (laughs) Well, yeah. And and what do you think now that you've sort of worked on yourself and seen that? Yeah, it's not really about the the reality show thing or whatever. What do you think? is something you'd love to work towards as a tangible goal as a like your a career or a are you feeling that out still? Yeah. Um career-wise I feel like I have realized that I don't have to be on like ridiculous shows like that mm-hmm. that don't present you in your true self mm-hmm. just to be successful. Right. Like there's so many different definitions of successful and I think it begins with like how you feel inside. Mm. So by working on your insides, then your outsides will catch up as far yeah. as, you know, yeah. oh, look because what I before I was like, after that, I'm like, oh, I could do this. I could go on every show right now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I just kind of had a reality check for myself. And I'm like, you know what? That's not necessary. Mm-hmm. And it's also not everybody in the world is going to want you on every single show. It's just not a thing. Right. And it's also not going to change my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You you want to see your life change for the better mm-hmm. and more hits don't equal better. No, no. Sometimes it's better to have like a really small amount of people watching you that understand you fully than like millions of people watching you and they have a false representation of you. Yeah. Do you do you think that's why I think it's good you're challenging yourself to do more positive things because um the goal seems to be getting the good out there yeah. with smaller numbers or with not an attachment to the numbers. Yeah. And to be who you are. Yeah. And even before, I would constantly obsess. Like, I'd go online like everybody else my age does, and I'd be like, am I getting enough links? Am I getting enough views? And now I, mm. I genuinely don't look at that anymore. Mm, I wow. really don't. That's huge. And that's like a lot of... like. Of course, I'll notice when something's a little more successful and I'll be like, oh, that's cool. But I'm not obsessing over it. And I'm not like, oh, let's see if we could double it next time. Like, that's not the goal anymore. Because I think every time we look to double that, it doesn't work. Yeah. And it's always when you don't expect it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I remember when I was nominated for my first Grammy, I didn't even know they gave comedy Grammys. So I wouldn't have expected it. And I'll get a call and I'm like, holy crap. No kidding. Then the next year... I go, I wonder if I'm going to get nominated for a Grammy. Oh, I wonder. Of course not. Because yeah. I'm looking on the effing nomination yeah. list. 
then the year after that, it was like, I forgot. And it happened again. So it's not like, oh, just forget it. I mean, you legitimately just can't worry about results. Yeah. And it's not even a matter of like just going out of your way to forget it. It's just you genuinely have to not care about that stuff because it doesn't define you as a person. Like it's awesome to have accomplishments, but it doesn't define you. And also what is an accomplishment? An accomplishment might be just doing something nice for somebody. I think accomplishments are different to everybody. Yeah. So if you don't make things like that your main accomplishments, Mm -hmm. then you'll be fine, honey. Yeah. Honey. Okay, honey. (laughs) Um, What do you think? You wrote me a little list, which I love. You're like, this is me and what a freaking whore I am for content. Mikey emailed me about a week ago and he's like, look, I have some things I need to work on. I think I need a session. I'm like, okay, bitch, put it on the air. So I was like, why don't we just sort of show people what a typical life life coaching session, a short little life coaching session might look like. Because people don't get it, really. They go, what do you do? Do you make lists? Do you have goals? Do you just yell at people? No. Like, well, just let's see. You sent me this nice long list of things you're still working I'm on. I'm very detailed. I, you are. I love that. And why is your font so big? I I, mean, I literally wrote at you, the end, Jesus, I don't know why the font is big and I can't fix I mean, it. I took such freaking offense to this because I'm 57 and he thinks I can't read small print. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, dude. I'm not like blind. Um, Okay. I, first of all, just want to congratulate you on one thing. Now, sometimes life coaching, by the way, pretend this is a session, they say start with a compliment. I usually don't because you know what? I'm not fake. I don't like to be like, oh, my God, I'm so proud of you if I'm not. But in all honesty, I like that you went back to your old job because what had happened was months ago you had quit a job and you then had trouble finding another job Mm -hmm. much to the dismay of your tattooed hands. Yes. So you said, I went back to my old job by dropping my ego about it. And you put in parentheses, took a lot of balls, which is really true. In your case, I think a lot of labias. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, but I am proud of you for going back to that old job. Because I remember months ago when you said, I left there because I said, I don't want to work there anymore. Because And I, I heard all of the reasons. And I go, well, they're not valid. But Hey, at the time, I'm not there to beat you up about the past because, what? look, you didn't know that yet. How did you get the guts up to do that? I Because I think a lot of people make tiny mistakes and then are afraid to go back and correct them. What yeah. happened there? So I quit the job only a few months ago. And even though it was only a few months ago, I still had a little bit of that ego left. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, F them. I could go somewhere better than that. Like, I don't deserve to be working in a store. Yeah. And I just like kind of snapped the other day. Like, I'm like, I'm not doing anything to contribute to my goals. Mm -hmm. And like, I know that I can be. Mm -hmm. So I need to just suck it up and just go in there and ask them if they're hiring. Oh, my God, dude. I love that because you got rid of the ego around. I'm too good for this. Yeah. And then I was also after that, it was like, oh, I'm too good to go back there. Mm, so because then I look like an asshole and it's like, yeah. sorry, that's okay. then I look like an a-hole and they're like, I'm afraid that they're going to be like, oh, well, you just quit. So that's not our problem and everything. Well, it doesn't really matter if they think that because they can think that mm-hmm. I'm just trying to get a job so I could save up work towards my goals. Yeah, so it doesn't really matter. So basically, if you hadn't gone in there, 
it would have been a failure because you couldn't have gotten the job back. And also you wouldn't have learned anything. So by going back in there, you learned not only that they still needed you, you needed them, and everything sometimes works out the way it's supposed to. And you also learned that, oh, putting the ego aside is really good. Yeah. And that'll serve you in life. Yeah, because if I still continue to be like, oh, I can't go back there, I already left, um, what would I be doing right now? Well, I mean, other than sitting here with you. I know. Well, this, you, I'm glad you got a day off to do this. But you know what? It's funny. I was driving in today and I thought about this. There's a woman I know whose husband died a couple of years ago and I never reached out and said, I'm sorry about your husband. Um, I found her a little annoying, but there was no reason for me not to do that. It's not like we were great friends. But this makes me think, well, you walked into that. You walked into that Sally Beauty Supply and you said, damn it, I want to I want to sell curlers again. <laughs> so if you as a 21 year old seriously can have the ego taken out of going, hey, I'd like my job back. I don't need to be ego driven. Then I can call her or email her or something and say, I'm so sorry I didn't reach out. It was all on me. You know what? Call her right now. I know. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm, call her on the air. How could I be that vulnerable? That's what my guests are for. <laughs> no, but I really should reach out to her or I will reach out to her now that I mention well, it. Because guess what? What's the worst? Again, like I tell everybody, what's the worst that can happen? She's going to hang up. Mm -hmm. She's going to say, you're a horrible human. And I never want to talk to you again. And that's fine. She is okay to believe that. And she's probably right in that instance of my behavior. So see how sometimes, despite someone's age, despite someone's status, despite what they do for a living, I think by you putting out a good message and example, it helps other people. Well, let me tell you something else that I did like two weeks ago that I didn't yeah. tell you about yet. Yeah. I was sitting there like during this whole epiphany moment mm -hmm. and I'm like, looking back at like all of the negative things that I involved myself in and I was just like so embarrassed by it kind of so I decided to reach and I'm not even encouraging people to do this like if it's not good for you but right I decided to reach out to the people that I felt I could get in contact mm -hmm. with from my past and all I said was I'm sorry for the way that things ended I wish I wasn't that negative of a person and I wish you the best. Wow. And that's all I said to them. And I didn't get a response from all of them. And that's fine. I even said, you don't have to respond. I just wanted to get that off my chest. And that's it awesome. made me feel so much better, even though I would not talk to those people again on a daily or anything. Mm -hmm. I just I feel like I've held on to that a lot. And that's not who I am anymore. So it was about freeing you. Yeah. And also them like by saying like i genuinely am sorry that i was that negative of a person like that's gross right right it, it is interesting how we know what we did wrong we know what they did wrong and just by saying i'm sorry or hey you know let's just move on with our lives and everything's cool we like we might not heal them, but we heal us. And who knows? It might have a good effect on them, too. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. I mean, that's, that's the way oh, it's supposed to be. You. And I, I feel like if people did that more often and just owned up to their shit, the world would be, like, way much better. No, no, it totally would. And that's why I encouraged you. I said, look, as a future goal, I said, you're kind of like the scary-looking guy who... Shows people they don't have to be scared of scary looking. Yeah, guys. and I love that. Because actually you're much softer looking than people will th when they see these pictures of you. They'll be like, oh, my God, he's so not scary. Yeah, they probably well, think I'm like eight feet tall. Like, I'm like four no, foot eight. He's like he's tiny. He's a little he's a, he's adorable. But the thing is, um, people judging people on looks and things like that. 
I said to you, I think what you should do is be one of these young people. I don't know if they have them. Young people who do like a TED talk on being misunderstood because of their looks or, you know, correcting your life at a young age and things like that. I like that as a goal for you. Now, when I said that to you, did that resonate with you? Yeah. I was like, actually, that's something I've never thought of before. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that makes sense. Like, I would be really good at that, honestly. Yeah. I think actually you would really, because you make valid points, and I would love to see someone your age being inspiring to people because you don't like the negativity. You cross that off your list early in life. It's like, oh, what's the positive stuff come from? So- Um, since we, as in any good life coaching session, what I would do now is I would say, so since I mentioned the Ted talk thing to you, what have you done? What's have you done in this past couple of weeks to sort of move towards that goal? If it still resonates with you. So I got this book that you recommended that I get. It's called Talk Like Ted. Mm -hmm. And And what is it basically about? It's about the format of a Ted talk pretty much. And it will Mm -hmm. give but it's not even just about that. It will give people's personal stories. It will give different examples of people's TED Talks, but also oh. their life experiences. Oh, really? Yeah, it has like some examples, especially in the beginning. There's a lot of stories that I liked. So did it – did you, while reading this – because, see, there's <laughs> there's two ways people take these kind of books in like, oh, my God, I could never do that. That sounds too hard. Oh, my God, that sounds like they have it, but I don't. Other people go, oh. I get it. I can do this. It's going to take some work. Which, where were, where did you lie on that spectrum? I was kind of like, oh, I get this. Um, mm-hmm. I took more things out of it, like not even just about the TED Talk, but I took other things out of it that I could apply to just my personal life. Like it talks a lot about the way that people think and just being more positive of a person being um, – what am I trying to say? Being enthusiastic about what mm. you're saying, no matter what it is, right. whether you're mad about it or happy about it, like just – let it out, Henny. So and having passion behind it. Then. Yes. Yeah. It talks a lot about passion and finding your passion. And um, that's what I really resonated a lot with. You mean resonated? Resonated. Yeah. I'm, I'm really ignorant. I went you... to an alternative high school. <laughs> Which means he could be a plumber right now. Uh... But you don't have a plumber's crack for it. <laughs> but this is good. So you, okay. So you read the book. Um, what's the next step? Because part of the life coaching process is to like sort of figure out next steps, what you're afraid to move forward on, what you're cool with moving forward on, what what your little bit of accountability will be the next time. So what do you think if you thought about if I said to you, hey, if this TED Talk thing really resonates, (laughs) I mean, resonates with you, (laughs) what do you view as the next step in this process? Um, I guess I'm just going to travel the world now and go to every school I can. Well, just kidding. I was going to say, well, what's the first step? No, the first step (laughs) I could take. I like the goal idea because, I mean, it could be very impactful for kids in high school and colleges for sure. Yeah. So I think like the first thing was really identifying my passion, which is, I think now spreading the positivity and like just letting people know that you don't have to be like this rough person all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, so... I could start by just genuinely being myself and mm-hmm. openly talking about it like I am right 
no. Right. So, so I think what good thing you've said is a lot of people would say an answer like, okay, so I'm going to write a rough draft and then I'm going to start pitching it here. But that's uh, the business part of it. You're yeah. also talking about working on the personal side of it, which is just to live it every yeah. day. And this is like something that like I don't want to sound all corny and stuff, but this is something that like I would do as like a volunteer thing. Yeah. Like, I would openly just talk to people for no money or anything. Like it's not what I'm even trying to get out of it right. at this point. So so knowing that there's work to be done, knowing that this is something that's going to build, knowing that every time you walk around the streets or put something on YouTube or post a video, it has to come from a positive place. That's all going to contribute to working on you and this goal. They're totally in sync together. They're yeah. not diametrically opposed anymore. Yeah. And I'll... That's something that I'm still working on and still kind of struggling with. Sometimes you just slip up with things, but you, mm-hmm. it's you, it's really up to you to just catch yourself in that moment mm-hmm. and realize that you're doing it and identify why you're doing it. Okay, so I'm going to give you something to work on. Okay. I notice a lot of the times you talk about yourself as you instead of I. So you go, you know, when you'll do this or sometimes you do this. Meaning your words have a lot of power. So if you say, I have a goal, I would do this, I am working on this, um, instead of saying, well, you have negative thoughts and sometimes you have to talk about, if you own that, I think you own your power more. Okay. So since your words mean a lot, every time you're talking about you, but go, excuse me, talking about you as yourself, if you say the word you say, wait a minute. I have to own this. Switch it to I. And I think you'll feel like you have more power in the situation. Plus, it'll come up while you're doing it. Okay. Because oftentimes we like to put it uh, uh, on somebody else or like, well, they do it, but I don't. And I kind of do. And uh, I'm all mixed up. Start talking with I statements and see what happens. I'm just curious. Again, no, yeah. No, that's interesting because that's something that I, I know that I do. Yeah. And yeah. never really think of it, though. I know. Isn't it funny? And it's also... I've done, I mean, I do it all the time and I have to catch myself and go, why do I say? Yeah. Why am I now? I'm like sitting here and I'm like, why am I doing that? Maybe it's because when I'm talking to other people, I think of like, how can I relate this to them? So they understand what I'm saying. I don't think it's that much of a conscious effort. I think that might be the conscious part that you use later as a tool, but you don't want to do it as a default now. Yeah. Just like, you know, we don't want to you know overreact to things or whatever as a default. Yeah. Choice is fine. But just notice it. In other words, like what I like, Kripalu's whole model is notice without judgment. Like you did with the judgment exercise, just notice it, write it down, and like we could try to analyze and figure out why. And just see if it feels better for you to own your stuff. I like that. Yeah, me me owning my stuff is really own it, okay? Own it, bitch. Own it. Oh, Mikey, I think we've shown people that life coaching isn't painful, you probably had painful sessions with me in the past, but this wasn't one of them. I think this was terrific. What do you think? I think this was like, honestly, so good. Good, good. S-O-Y, good. And Mikey, I'm very proud of you. I got to be honest. I really am proud of the progress you made. I don't always end the call with a big compliment like you're supposed to because I don't follow rules either. And I know you don't. But you honestly have done amazing work on yourself. I'm really proud of you on like tons of levels and mostly because of your hair color. Well, I really appreciate that. And Mm -hmm. honestly, 
this might be like a little weird, but the last time I saw you in person was like a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And although we've talked on the phone like weekly for like ever, yeah, I noticed a difference right when I first saw you when I came out the elevator. I'm Aww. like, she seems like so much like happier. Oh my god, thank you. I'm glad yeah, you noticed that because I just feel like more in my own skin, more. I don't know. There's just not a lot of heaviness anymore. Yeah. And it just shows. Yay. So congratulations. And we're like really pretty. So there. Yeah. We're like really hot. So. Yeah. So so listen, Mikey, here's one thing I want you to tell my listeners where they can find you. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube at Mikey Majesty. That's it. And that's it. Mikey Majesty, and that's all she wrote. Now, Mikey, will you stick around for like 10 short minutes and help me help a couple of my listeners who are desperate in need of help? I would love to. Okay, like everybody, listen up, stay tuned. I'm going to be here with Mikey and we're going to help some of my desperate listeners because think about it to write and ask me for help, you got to be pretty effing desperate. Stay tuned. Let Lisa Help is coming back. You're listening to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. And now back to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. Hey, everybody. I'm back. I know you couldn't wait. You're so excited. I know. Stop it. You have a heart on? I get it. It's Lisa Lampanelli here with Let Lisa Help. I'm with my good friend slash client slash not real friend because that would like blur the lines of our professional relationship, Mikey Majesty, which I will never call him. I just Mikey to me, but you can find him on the YouTubes and the uh, Insta stories and all that. Mikey Majesty. And Mikey, since you have a lot of brains, well, not really. Since you have a lot of heart, well, not really. Since you have a lot of since you're here, can you help me? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, since you kind of work on yourself and you really fearlessly do that, can you help me with a couple of listeners who are having problems? I will try my best. Okay. I have a lot of wisdom, so it might be too much, but... am I? I'll have to edit it out so I sound like the smart one. Now, this is from Alex in, oh my God, Waterbury, Connecticut. Oh, hi. Is, hi, Connecticut. This starts like a real... This is a true. So that's the first issue. What? That he's from Waterbury? <laughs> well, this will explain it. Would you like a black and gay friend who lives in Connecticut? I mean, the answer to me is yes. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Because, hey, black and gay, two target groups, when you mix them both together, that means that I am now friends with a double minority and I get extra points. Yeah. And he sounds hot already. So. Okay. Listen, stop it. Um, He says he's currently doing some inner work. I'm currently doing some inner work on myself and trying to find my authentic self. I love listening to yours and Chelsea Handler's stories. I'm not going to lie. I still listen to your comedy from time to time because I love that type of comedy. But I do love the work that you're doing now. No, I don't think there was a question in there other than does he want us to be his friend? And by us, I mean me. But you know what I love about this letter is that he's doing inner work on himself and that he can separate that that comedy is funny, but the new me is also good. Now, Mikey, this is something you're going to have to find out for yourself that you have to have people go, oh, that was cute what you used to do. And now you have to, now I accept you for who you are. So 
Do you think you do that with people? You can see the old them and the new one? Yeah, I know that everybody changes over time and everybody has a chance to evolve. So I don't hold people accountable for their past actions or anything like that. If you're changing yourself, like, go off, Henny. I'm rooting for you. Well, do you think, was any part of my comedy a deterrent to you reaching out for help from me? Like, did it prevent me from... Well, well, did any part of it, did, was there ever a second where you were like, oh, maybe she'll just make fun of me, or maybe this is part of a stunt? No, because I know that that's all on stage. Wow. Like, that, you... And maybe not everybody gets that, but it's like common sense to me. Like you're on stage and you're saying all this stuff. That's not like your real life views or anything. Right. You're just telling jokes. So it was reactions. just entertainment. Yeah. So you and Alex from Waterbury, Connecticut are people who get it. And what you both have common in, in common is that you're gay. So gay men get it and the rest of the world has to catch up yeah because we have senses of humors and we don't take ourselves too seriously so lighten up yeah so thank you alex i know you didn't really ask a question but i do like the love because everybody needs once in a while to hear they're okay and i like to think that people can not punish people for their past like i forgave star jones for years for not saying she had weight loss surgery and denying it. And then she finally said she did. I forgive her. She wasn't ready at the time because we're all ready when we're ready. Like, yeah. Mikey, she probably you, felt like ashamed or something. Well, of course, there's a lot of shame surrounding that. It's like the easy way out, even though we know it's as difficult as anything else. Yeah. So, I mean, you, I'm going to tell you, Mikey, to not not ruminate on, oh, I shouldn't have done this in the past. I shouldn't have gotten those terrible tattoos on my hands, even though Lisa called them terrible. Actually, they look really cool. Um, they were really expensive, so they're not that bad. Okay. it's No, they really are beautiful. <laughs> That's a good point. At least you did quality tattoos. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, mean, I have some freaking... Yeah, That's a whole different story. My ankles, but... <laughs> My visible ones were expensive. Okay, so do you see yourself, just to digress, do you f see yourself getting more tattoos or are we done? No, it's definitely always going to be a part of my life. Mm -hmm. I'll just be more thoughtful. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, definitely never on the neck or anything like that. Good. Wow. I'm glad you have limits. Yeah. Goodbye. Like, I have some limits. Neck, I can't do. Well, I also, you're really pretty. Like, you have a really good yeah. face. So, yeah, don't do anything on your face because you have a good nose. You didn't have a nose job, did you? We're not going to talk about that in here. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's really good. Like, Wait, you're lucky. thank you. I actually appreciate that. No, you're lucky to have the face you have. So leave it that way. Oh, but speaking yeah. of surgery, I have a question from Pam from Ohio. She says, I have also had weight loss surgery and last, lost over 120 pounds. It's been three years now, but I still need to lose over 100 more, but find myself at a standstill. I can't or maybe just won't. Why can't I lose weight anymore? My heart does want to lose it. It's I'm just finding it hard. Um, I just feel like I'll never lose anymore. The good news is at least that I haven't gained either. I want to say something, Pam. That's a huge deal to have not backslid because it's like, okay, we heard before from Mikey. He quit his job. He then reframed it and got back on the horse and now is working and saving money towards moving out of that hellhole that is East Hartford, Connecticut. Is that where it was? Yes. Okay, good. I'm glad I had that right. But you didn't backslide. So 
you're at exactly where you were three years ago. That is a huge accomplishment. I'm not pandering to you. I'm not going, oh, Pam, you're just fine the way you are. No, you got to lose the 100 for health issues. I don't care about anything else other than the fact that you stay alive. So what I find positive is you haven't gained because that's what happens and we've lost too many celebrities and other people to that. So here's what you need to do. Get into therapy and find out what, why you stopped yourself. What was scary or threatening about your life that made you put a halt to this? Because that, to me, is the whole key to you starting to get this going again. It is not about diet. It's not about exercise. It is about finding some self-love that will let yourself move forward. Get to that shrink. Figure out what hole you're trying to fill with food that you're not getting from real life. Because I know every time I still overeat, every time I still freaking grab the chips for some reason at the end of a night, and I'm sitting there with my dog, I'm going, what am I trying to fill here? What do I really want? Connection, love, um, a good cry, whatever. And guess what, Pam? When you figure out that you need to cry or you need that connection or that hug or whatever little thing that you were too scared to ask for, that'll be fulfilling. And that'll be the thing that'll stop you from eating. And will it work every time? Absolutely not. We t- Look, it's our drug, okay? It's our drug. You'll have to struggle with the, excuse me, you'll have to struggle, uh, edit that for me. Will you have to struggle with it the rest of your life? Probably, but maybe for less time maybe less and less. Maybe you'll overeat only six nights out of seven, then maybe five, then maybe back to seven. But guess what? You'll get on the right track. For now, I'm proud of you that you haven't gained. Get your ass into the shrink. Figure it out, bitch. Right, Mikey? Yeah. And also, I just wanted to say, change your wording because she said something like, I can't or won't. Mm. Um, You can and you will if you want to, honey. That's true, actually, because just by reaching out, you're kind of, uh, excuse me, edit that. Just by reaching out, you're kind of denying that you can't and won't because you're going, oh, I can and will because you actually wrote. No one who doesn't think they can do it reaches out. So, dude, I'm on your side, Pam. And you know what I would do? I mean, I think a huge first step. Is coming to Lisa Lampanelli's workshop on food and body image at Corpolo in November. Mikey, you look like Honestly, a large man. Yeah, I'm going to have to. <laughs> By the way, speaking of which, do you ever get told, you're too skinny? Oh, yeah. Okay. All the time. People listen to this. That hurts people's feelings. Stop it. it because does. you know what? People, my guest who I just recorded with another episode, he said the same thing would happen to him. And people don't think that hurts. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything. And saying you're too anything is lousy. How about you just say you look nice? Don't even put the today in. Because if you say you look nice yeah, today, today yeah, me. yeah, it means I look like crap every other day. Yeah. People, stop commenting on other people's looks. Just shut the F up. And don't say you look healthy because that sounds like you mean I got fat. So just be quiet. And you know what? Skinny doesn't even always mean healthy. So don't make assumptions. Right. And just calm down. Worry about yourself, sweetheart. Love you, mean it. Yeah, love you, mean it. Love you all. Mikey, this is, I think we have helped multiple people. Oh, thank God. And by we, I mean me. (laughs) I mean you've done nothing. 
but I have hopes that you will. No, but I was so happy you came in. This was so cool. Did you have fun? I had so much fun, and I'm really happy I got to see you, and I appreciate it. Oh, my God. Well, you're the best. We will be right back with Let Lisa Hope. Find Mikey at Mikey Majesty on all the Insta stuff. Bye. You're listening to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. Hey, everybody. It's Lisa Lampanelli, the former queen of mean. I am so helpful to everybody. Like, just change all my passwords to helpful Lisa. But wait, then I'd have to change them because then you'd have them because I just told you that's my new password on, like, Gmail. Never mind. Rachel changed them back. I'm here with my well-underpaid and overeducated assistant for the week, Rachel. Say hi, Rachel. What's up, everybody? See, Rachel's a millennial slash uh, Gen X slash Gen Q class, whatever the hell. And she is helping me because guess what? Sometimes the letters I get from you people are from people younger than me who I just don't understand. Of course, this one possibly is the case. However, I think we can both help this person because you, Rachel, have had to do this as well as I have. And listen, John from Alexandria, Virginia, yay, which is near, by the way, Washington, D.C. Virginia, yay. Uh, Virginia, yay. (laughs) He is, oh, this is risky to be one of these in Virginia. Uh Why, Lisa, gay fan here. Mm. Well, that is a definite risk. Glad you survived the Charlottesville problem and glad you're surviving the freaking BS president. Anyway, let's not get distracted. This is not about hate. This is about love. Lisa, gay fan here. Hi, John Gay. (laughs) I love you so much. Oh, my God. That's so sweet. Rachel, we all have found that the best letters come from people who say they love me first because then I give them more attention. Honestly, I'm surprised the ones that don't start that way even get read. You're so... That's like the hello of the letter. Thank you. (laughs) How about I've enjoyed you for years? Right. How about your 31 years of comedy changed my life even though I'm 20? I mean, this is how people should have respect for Lisa Lampanelli. Exactly. Not too much to ask. Right. It's like sucking up never hurt. Like, I always was like, oh, did I overcompliment you, Kevin James, when I ran into you at the comic strip and I gushed that you were the only show me my parents liked? No. Who doesn't like hearing a gushy compliment? So, Rachel, by the way, your hair looks cute. You're totally bringing it with your outfit. And we have the same diamond earrings. So see how what I did? I was going to say the exact same thing to you. Oh, my God. We're totally (laughs) cute. You guys would look at us. I wish you could all see. Although, you know what bothers me a little about me today? I have been making a big effort to wear my hair blonde, Mm -hmm. whether it be a wig or whether it be uh, natural. So I did this for the last few weeks because of this soccer team. I had my purple hair before I knew about this soccer player. Now, what's her name? Megan Rapino. I like her, but she stole my look. Bitch stole my look. So I've been trying not to look like her. But today I have my purple mohawk. I've given it up. And when people say to me, you look like that soccer player, Rapino. I'm just like, it's either her or Abby Wambach. I'll take either one. What the hell? I know. I get it. I look like a lesbian. 
All right. Let's Just waiting for the parade. It's in your true. honor now. Yeah, there, uh, the she gay pride parade. parade or the <laughs> so, Oh, I soccer meant the soccer parade. parade oh, but, thank yeah. you. But either one works. Any kind of parade. Thank you. Okay, so Lisa, gay fan here. I love you so much. How do you know when to dig in your heels and stand your ground versus when to let things go when dealing with difficult situations and people? Now, this is a very important issue to a lot of us. Now, he signs this, his email address is uh, that he's at a college because it ends in EDU. Oh, so this is a smart here. guy. So at least, I mean, even though it's probably a Virginia college, um, I'll forgive you for not having it be Yale where Rachel and I went. Um, Rachel actually <laughs> did four years there and I did six weeks. <laughs> so, but I am smart. I am smart. Now, this is a big problem. Because sometimes you do have to let things go. Sometimes you have to accept the person the way you are and either let them go or if you have to have them in your life, accept them for who they are. So let's take an example. Rachel, have you ever had a situation, say in college or something like that, since this guy's in college, did you ever in college bump up against a professor or a classmate or in a study group? Do they have study groups in Yale? Informally, I wish it was like that show Community, but they're oh, a little less structured. Oh, God. <laughs> I always wish it was like that movie, The Paper Chase. Now, that is well before you were born. That is. But it was a great movie where they were in law school and they had assigned study groups. Oh, oh that was my fantasy. Okay. But I, I actually just it ended up I just wanted to buy term papers. So that's all I like to do. And I will say I did, and I've come out of the closet about this before, I did when I was at the Yale uh, summer program, I did feel so overwhelmed that I had to have my assistant write my crucible paper. In my defense, I was very overworked. I had a full-time job at the same time, and I wasn't one of those spoiled little bitches who had the whole summer off, but I'm not resentful. I was going to say people have done worse, and in my defense, I was not said assistant. Ah, no, 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 no. Rachel does not cheat. She. This was Jackie. Jackie, I know you're listening. <laughs> Sorry, Jackie. But she got me an A+, plus, so who cares? Everyone wins. Now, it does. It's true. Now, do you have you ever been faced in college or, you know, a job or anything with a situation and just like, OK, I have to deal with this person. When do I stop pushing or do I stop pushing or whatever? Can you think of anything specific? Oh, absolutely. When I was the editor in chief of the Yale Daily News, which is a great daily student paper, basically every single day was an exercise in figuring out how to spend my time, what to push for, what to delegate, et cetera. And now, we were in charge, so we had to sort of battle it out sometimes. Here's my question. But you were the editor of the Yale Daily News. You were in charge. Yeah. Now, first of all, I don't like I don't like that you just downplayed your role. <laughs> now, me, I say I'm a comedian or I was a comedian. I should always say I was the best female slash male slash transgender slash uh, male comedian that ever lived. So don't downplay it. This bitch, she was the head of the Yale Daily News. So you couldn't walk away from this position. You couldn't go, wow, this is too hard for me because no one walks away from something like this. So how do you know when to stop pushing? What was your own personal boundary or your own personal uh, Waterloo, as it were? This is like hard to even wrap my mind around, but I think delegating things and having other people speak up and like take charge on the issues or the tasks that were most important to them so that I could like maintain the energy to really put my focus into the 
longer term issues or even the day to day tasks that most concerned me and like sort of compartmentalize all of that. And so some things I just knew I would have to let them go before they even like got too far into my brain. There you go. I love it. And I'll tell you why I love it. Because first of all, I almost stumped a Yale graduate. Second of all, I didn't. So I learned humility because she's like (laughs) one third my age. Oh, man. So here's how I feel, though. You're right. It's almost like that old saying, and this is nothing new to anyone, pick your battles. You got to pick what's most important to you and then let go of the rest. Letting go is the hardest thing. Did you find it hard to not micromanage when you started at the YDN? I'm being cool and using the expressions. I know. Look at me with initials. True Yaley. And a breeze. What do you feel? Was it difficult to let go and not obsess over every comma? Yes, but then when it was 2 a.m., five nights a week, and I was just trying to get my, you know, the paper out and my homework done and like some hours of sleep, it became easier to say, you know what, this is, there are only so many things that the editor-in-chief has to see on a nightly basis, and there are only so many things I can worry about on any given day. So over the course of the year, it got easier to say, like, that's not necessarily my job, or like, this is more your job than it is mine. So what I like is you did not call upon Jackie to write the paper for you. And what I really like is you said over the course of the year, it got easier to do. This is called practice for a reason. The practice of letting go. It doesn't come naturally to us control freaks. And I'm assuming John and you and I are all control freaks. We like to know what's going on in our lives because we're like, oh, no, we have to make everything sure we keep all the balls in there or the world will end. We have to practice this. So, John... When you're being my big gay fan that you say you are, here's what you do. You pick your battles. You make your list of stuff that you're being asked to let go of and deal with. Say you have to deal with a teacher who keeps calling you a terrible word. I doubt that that's it, but I'm going to use an extreme example. That might be the battle you pick to go, whoa, I gotta, I'm not going to take that every day. I'm going to the administration. If it's someone like a parent who keeps... Uh, needling you about why don't you have a boyfriend yet? Why don't you have a boyfriend yet? And you don't want a boyfriend yet and you just want to play the field. Pick your battles. Go, you know what? Is it that important that my parents understand me? Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But it's going to take you practice standing up for yourself, them practice letting you stand up for yourself and accepting you, and then practice for you to let go of the results. Because in the end, everybody's going to act how they want to act. You're going to act how you want to act. And sometimes it just doesn't work out and you have to let go of the results. I've said this on the program before. My mother is never at 89, 90 years old going to say, I'm sorry. I accept it. Until I was 56, I was like, why don't you say I'm? No, no, 50. I'll give myself a little more credit. Until I was 50, I was always like, why can't you ever say I'm sorry? Why can't you're You're wrong. You won't say I'm sorry. Guess what? It taught me that. I can now say I'm sorry, and it doesn't mean the end of the world, and it means something to people. It also was like, accept her. She ain't going to change. So, John, my big gay fan, do what I said. Practice at it. It'll get better. It'll get easier. And sometimes you just got to let those people or situations go. I think we're geniuses. We both went to Yale, and you didn't, John. So I want you to help me with this one. This is a really heavy letter, but I don't care because we're about, you know, some actual themes and issues. And I think it'll be good for us. Okay, Rach, can you help? 
Let's do it. Okay. Lynn from Santa Fe. Ah, she says, I just saw you on Dr. Oz, and yes, I have become an emotional eater. Um, duh, I've been one all my life. I became an emotional eater because my family's Italian. Rachel, yours is Jewish. And love let me tell foods. you, oh my God, we all love the foods. My my house was the original Olive Garden, and my mother would push those unlimited breadsticks within an inch of our lives. So she says she started to emotionally eat when her husband had prostate cancer and could no longer have sex. Now, here's the thing. I've always loved when my husbands could never have sex anymore, meaning didn't want to, because I was afraid of intimacy, Rachel. Now, mm-hmm. people in your day, these young kids today, they enjoy the sex. They enjoy the, uh, don't yuck my yum <laughs> if I like sex. Iconic. They, they also enjoy that thing. What's it called? Uh, being a slut. Because <laughs> there's slut shaming now. Tell me about this slut shaming. What is that about? Because I always thought it was shameful to be a slut, even when I was one. Why is slut shaming bad? You're good at young oh, people I, stuff. I feel like this should get its own podcast series yeah. or episode. But yes. I think people are owning their sexuality or their exploration and feeling empowered by it. And in certain situations, when others are not accepting of that, that can create tension. I mean, right. there's hookup culture. There's slut-shaming culture. There's also the patriarchy. There are a whole bunch of things at play. Good, good, good. I like this because I'm learning something. Mm-hmm. So hookup culture is what we're just like, you know what? I'm young. I'm going to just have sex. What's the big deal? Yeah. And uh, do they encourage safe sex or they don't care? Oh, I I mean, I don't know who they are, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but like I think young kids. I think, yeah, as long as it's like consensual and people are happy, I think they it's easier to separate the aspects of a relationship and keep the emotions a little bit farther out of it, like not being exclusive, right. for example. What about this slut shaming then? It's that would be saying to somebody, look at this one being yeah. a big whore from Quinnipiac. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I joke with Quinnipiac College. I know you're good, but Rachel and I both went to Yale, me for six whole weeks, <laughs> and I feel like we have to put you down. But Seriously, the slut shaming would be saying somebody is wrong for exploring their sexuality. Yeah, or even, I guess, what someone's wearing. Ah, okay. And that's a whole other can of worms. Yeah, because I personally always dress very conservative, not meaning like some bitch who's a tennis player from, I don't know, Westport, Connecticut. But I, no, I <laughs> do thing, I dress, love your habit. Yes, yeah, yeah, you like that? <laughs> I My Handmaid's Tale outfit, do you like it? I always wear like a high neck and stuff. I just don't like to show cleavage and stuff like that. So you're saying it's like okay to do that, but like it's just your preference. Like who cares? Yeah, exactly. I definitely don't make the rules and I definitely don't know the, if there's one way to interpret them. Mm. But I think there's some backlash to like men have quote unquote owned their sexuality for a long time and when women are how I see it is it's slut shaming sluts are usually girls and women right Um, right. and it's like let them also grow up and become confident in who they are and what they want to how they want to live their lives to some extent you know yeah you know I think my own issue has always been I know the times that I was driven to be slutty which was I, I had uh, like Frank DeCaro, my friend, says my slut period was shorter than Mother Teresa's. And so, by the way, that was pretty short because she was a nun. I had a very short slut period in my 40s. Now, I feel after doing extensive work on myself that a lot of that came from self-hate. It came from me trying to fill the hole inside with 
you know, albeit safe sex, but sex that was like unfulfilling. How does one draw the line? Because I always go, well, if you're being quote unquote slutty, I wonder if it comes from the wrong place. Is it sort of examining, hey, I'm really not doing this to, 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 to fill a needy hole. It's really just to fill that vaginal hole. <laughs> Seriously. Excellent wordplay. But also yeah. great question. Yeah. I don't I don't really know. You're not. I have to slut. ask my yeah, my 40 boyfriends. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think it's important to think about. I mean, the so other is thing it, is you can think of yourself as a slut. I don't know if you know, by what standards, but it's something that someone else can put on you, but a label that in theory you could also label yourself with. So if you say to yourself, I'm a slut, not necessarily a put down of yourself, or is it? Yes. I guess it depends on the person and the situation. Yeah. See me, I always felt like I used food and relationships to fill the hole. And now I'm like, wait a minute, after the weight loss surgery, I couldn't use food as much. I can't use men because I don't want to because I know it's not good for me yet. So I'm like, now I have to feel the feelings. So I always go, "Eh, you know, which one is it? So that's for everyone to examine. But little Miss Lynn, who says she started to emotionally eat after her husband couldn't have sex, I kind of understand that because... If I didn't have a boyfriend, I always found I would eat more. You could be a slut for food. You could be a slut for anything. Totally slut for food. Never a slut for alcohol. Didn't like it. Didn't like the pot. (laughs) The heroin didn't do it for me. Can you imagine? (laughs) Give it the college try. (laughs) Who doesn't? So Miss Lynn says, because I was very vulnerable, I decided to get fat so men would not approach me. Now, what I like about that. She's actually very self-aware because it takes a lot of people, a lot of effort and therapy to go, I grew this outer layer to be off-putting to Mm -hmm. men. And what the funny thing is, there's so many men out there with so many tastes that it really doesn't protect you. Right. I remember being a, a big girl in my 20s and 30s and 40s and whatever. And I went to the shrink and I was talking. I said, why can't I lose the weight? And we decided it was probably part of it was protection. And she goes, how's it working? And I'm like, it's not because I have a boyfriend. So, you know, I understand her, though, and I like that she's self-aware enough to realize that. Totally. In 2004, her husband died. Then her mom. Oh, boy, Lynn, you have had went through the ringer. And, oh, she's 77 years old and wants to be around and find a cause in life now that time is running out. Mm. Now, this is the thing. This woman has clearly been through the ringer, been through the mill. She's had a lot of crap that's gone down. I don't think, tell me where I'm wrong, Rachel. Do you think her problem is actually food? If it is, she's pretty aware of it, mm-hmm. which makes me think maybe not. Right, right. I think it's a, the food is the external uh, sign of what's really going on with her. I yeah. think, Lynn... If you're listening, and I really doubt you are because you're 77 and don't know what a podcast is. Maybe she's viewing. Yeah. If you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If you are if you, if you you have on, you know, one of the three channels that TV offers at this point in life with the rabbit ears on your TV, I don't think the problem is food. I think you want to, first of all, A, be around for your family, you say, and have a purpose in life. Well, guess what? The weight loss is a means to an end. So take off the feedback, bitch. Get your ass. Walk in a little bit. I know you're 77, but I ballroom dance and there's people 80 years old getting dragged around that dance floor by Serbian dance teachers. 
and they're the toughest ones. Get yourself a little exercise program going, just a minor one, if you can tolerate it. Make sure you go to the doctor, get all your tests taken, find out your levels, and you know what? Maybe start saying, what do I really want when you're quote-unquote want to eat? Here's the problem. We look at the food and say, I want that, and then that's not enough. The food doesn't fill us. So in the vein of the fantastic saying, you can never get enough of what you don't really want. You're never going to have enough food to fill the hole. You're 77. Spend time with your family. Spend time with the kids. Grieve. Here's the huge problem with life. We don't want to grieve. We don't want to get sad. We don't want to feel the feelings. Try to, when you're going for food and you're not hungry, try to go, what am I really wanting? Whether it's a hug, a connection to somebody, a phone call, just a good cry, because the crying will end. The feelings can't kill you. You will survive this. You've survived a hell of a lot. And I think someone like you who could get their weight and their health under a little bit of control can go, okay, I'm going to live a fuller life and not use this food to emotionally help me because in the end you see it doesn't. Because what happens, Rachel, when you eat over a problem, then you have what? Two problems. So stop it. And we will too. And listen, you know what? I'm not going to stop giving you completely unsolicited advice and some solicited advice on Let Lisa Help. What did we learn? What have we learned today? Well, I think we learned on Let Lisa Help that Mikey, my 21-year-old, can be a good example to even you adults. You know something? Sometimes as we get older, we think, oh, oh, I'm the only one working on me. Well, guess what? Now you know there's a young guy out there doing his best to do the best for the world. We learned also that just because you were on a reality show doesn't mean you can't have a reality check and change your life and how people perceive you. Also, we learned that the outer might be a cover for what's not being fulfilled in the inner and that you can someday make both of those match. And of course, we have learned that while the desire for attention isn't all bad, it has to be kept in check as well as our freaking ego. I know mine does because my ego wants me to say, hey, go to lisalampanelli.com and and come to my workshop. Hey, go to LisaLampanelli.com and come see one of my shows. My e- ego tells me, hey, I'm the best podcaster in the world. And we all, oh, oh, I mean, we know that's Adam Carolla. So if you guys will let me put my ego aside for a minute, I would like to say, let Lisa help. Help you, help me, help the entire world. i see you in the next episode of Let Lisa Help. Thanks for listening to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. For more info on Lisa's storytelling shows, her workshops, and her life coaching services, go to lisalampanelli.com. You can also follow Lisa on the socials at Lisa Lampanelli. New episodes of Let Lisa Help are available weekly on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. And if you love the show, make sure to leave a rating and review.